0: Welcome back to Misunderstood. This is Rachel Youcatel, your host. Thank you so much for listening to part one. If you haven't listened to part one, please do so because this is part two of my amazing interview with New York vegan Restaurant tour Sarma Melganales from Pure Food and Wine, which would become the number one spot for celeb spotting and delicious vegan food. Sarma is known as a very smart, capable woman who was the face of this business. You couldn't go in there without seeing her. A lot of people would travel from all over the country to meet her. She's a beautiful blonde. Eventually, Sarma married this sketchy guy, Anthony stranges a.k.a. Shane Fox, who for several years claimed he worked in special ops and said he had special powers, giving him the ability to secure a passage for Sarma to find utopia and where her dog would live forever. I know this sounds crazy, but this is what really happened. Sarma ended up transferring almost $2 million from her business accounts at Pure Food and Wine and One Lucky Duck into her personal accounts to give it to this guy, Anthony. Draining the business of all the money and unable to pay employees, workers ended up walking out twice in protest. Ultimately, Sarma and Anthony ended up serving time in prison at Rikers on charges of fraud, among other things. After watching all four episodes of Bad Vegan, I think audiences really walked away not knowing if Sarma was a con artist or if she had just like fallen for the wrong dude and had a bad picker and was so psychologically abused that she lost her way. Well, Sarma is here today to tell her side of the story. She has a lot to say. We are separating one interview into two parts because the conversation was just flowing. It was so good. I'm so excited to have her on our show and you definitely should make sure that you watch Bad Vegan so that you know a lot of you know what we're talking about but I'm going to make sure that she goes through the whole scenario to give you guys an idea if you've missed it um, what we're talking about but her story is so unbelievable and I think she's the perfect guest for Misunderstood because she's someone whose story was narrated by the media and she has not really had a chance to tell her side in her words today we are releasing part two make sure you listen to both so check this out i hope you like it and i'm so excited that sarma decided to come on to misunderstood so your staff walks out and you finally find out and they obviously and then i came back and na- and but now your credibility is getting ruined in the tabloids because now The the news has picked this up, this, you know, celeb, you know, driven uh, restaurant is closing and it's because their employees are not getting paid and, um, you know, they – are attributing it to you, right? So, you know, and this happened twice. So how did that make you feel? How did you uh, react to your employees? Because in the Netflix docuseries, it makes it seem like they tried to talk to you over and over and you just didn't want to hear it. And the people that did confront you, you would fire or Mr. Fox would fire. Um, so how, what, what's your thought on that? Um, well, a lot of you
1: know, I've had to go back and kind of look at, um, you know, emails and things. And sometimes, like, I would go back and read, you know, I'd search through my email, not the ones with Mr. Fox, because he deleted those, but maybe with some of the employees, some of the people that work there. And I would read them and just like, be like, ugh. you know, like, it's like reading myself in a sort of like, as if I had some of that delusion, hmm. you know? And, um, you know, when I've written in my book about specifically that time when I found out it closed and I had to fly back and walk into the closed restaurant, it was like... it It's like it was so devastating that I was kind of numb. Hmm. And also already in this sort of, like, compromise, like quasi or actually very dissociated state. Mm -hmm. And so I was very fixated on like, get it back open,
0: get it back open. And you were able to, even in a position of being someone who was trashed in the paper, um, you were able to raise another 800,000 or so dollars from investors. How did you even do that?
1: Um, Because people people believed in the concept. Yeah. And I, you know, when I was raising that money, I was like, I'm trying to get this restaurant back open mm-hmm. and I I just wanted, you know, I wanted good people invested and like it was very confusing because here's Mr. Fox acting like as if this is almost like a test or something mm-hmm. and he's still feeding me all this bullshit and I'm just like, I don't know what to believe. All I know is I have to get this restaurant open right. and I was exhausted mm-hmm. and um, and I was able to raise a bunch of money and the vast majority of that money went to reopen the restaurant mm-hmm. all this back rent was owed all this money you know the, the money the employees got paid back first um you know those money was owed to vendors um i made some sales tax payments cuz the sales tax wasn't getting paid mm-hmm. um, and so almost like the vast majority of the money that i raised went to pay all the stuff and reopen the restaurant mm-hmm. and, and then it reopened and so you know one of the things that I sometimes point out when people are like, "Oh, you were in on it. It's like, why would I have like, you know, done all this st- stuff to reopen the restaurant, put put all that money into reopening the restaurant, you know, pay sales taxes. I also paid, you know, like I made like a $10,000 payment. One of the loans I'd taken from somebody that I felt really bad about because I'd promised him he would get it back and it was obviously really late. You know, I, I made a $10,000 payment towards that made some big payments to sales taxes, and then boom, I, like, disappear. And then, you know, according to the tabloids, we were, like, on the run. Mm -hmm. But, like, why, you know, if my intention was to, like, take a bunch of money and run off, why would I be, like, paying (laughs) – why would I be paying sales
0: tax? Yeah. And then bolt. So – So in your mind, if you weren't – people have said that you were on the run like Bonnie and Clyde. If you're saying that that wasn't true, what – how? What was the case? I mean, at that point, there was no money left. The ba- at that point was that when the um, employees walked out a second time. That happened after I was gone, so okay. I didn't know what happened. So one of the things that um, you know, once when he took me away, um, were you wondering who's who's running the restaurant, or you thought it was just being run? I mean, obviously, you knew they weren't getting paid. I didn't know what was happening. Okay, right, and um. You know,
1: this is where it's like the, it, it'd be great. It, I actually kind of think how much I would love to talk to a really qualified, um, like, neuroscientist who really understands these things mm-hmm. and people who understand about, you know, the way your mind works and the psychology of it. Because it was like, that's where I kind of really broke. Mm-hmm. Because it was like having gone through all that and reopening the restaurant and then like having it fail again. Well, but I didn't – it was like – it wasn't having it fail again because I didn't necessarily know what happened. But it was like him kind of – you know, because he came – or he was like, oh, finally, I'm going to buy – I'm going to buy everybody out, all the people that – I'm going to buy everybody out and it's going to be yours and all the back Mm -hmm. stuff is going to get paid. So he was like pretending to be somebody else. That's where like he pretended to be somebody else because Mm -hmm. he didn't want to use his real name. And, you know, the –
0: the – um, and affected like the your credibility with Jeffrey Chattero when he pretended to be someone else and set right. up all these but meetings. But like from my
1: perspective, it was like, well, he's going to pay everybody back. So mm-hmm. like, who cares what his name is? You know, I didn't think he wasn't trying to get money out of people as mm-hmm. far as I knew. Right. So why would it matter? Like, you know, whatever, if he's Donald Duck, if he's going to give them the money yeah. back, you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, it was obvious. It was super uncomfortable because I'm, I'm like a horrible, <laughs> super uncomfortable lying to anybody Mm -hmm. but um you know it was like it's almost like as if it was turned into like this movie Mm. you know what i mean like it wasn't real life yeah it it increasingly became like that and so um you know once he took me away it was like
0: that was really like a like i'm in a different reality now Mm -hmm. and so and then you guys were gone for about 10 months right yeah, and the entire- did you have Leon by the way with you? So time? in the beginning, I didn't. So
1: that's another thing. Like if he got me to, like you know, if he drove me away mm-hmm. without Leon, like I had to be really kind of. Who had Leon at that? Time? My mom. Oh, okay. So I mean, I, I knew he was with my mom, and I didn't know like what we were doing or where we were going or mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have very like fuzzy memories of it, um, but it was like it was sort of devastating and I didn't really understand it. And he, you know, sort of explained it in this way that like really has nothing to do with reality. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm just kind of like, you know, it's like, if you watch some of these stories with, um, where people get pulled into cults or like the one that really, um, one that really affected me. Well, two that really affected me most was the puppet master, Mm -hmm. um, which was heartbreaking because this woman is gone for a really long time. And you see how like broken she is, mm-hmm. um, and then also the story about the Sarah Lawrence students. Yeah, and they—I mean, you know—again, and and the one who gets the most kind of broken is—you um, know, she had like a a scholarship to I forget where she was like at Stanford mm-hmm. Medical School. You know, she she was incredibly smart, yeah. about to graduate medical school and become a doctor. Real, obviously, incredibly bright. And gets her mind completely twisted around mm-hmm. where, you know, she's like a, you know, she's almost behaving like a child, like right. a broken child, right. right? And this man did that to her and these other Sarah Lawrence students. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like that, you yeah. know, whatever he did to them is very similar because, you know, it's like, I wasn't, you know, what happened to her? What happened to that student? How did she turn into that? Right.
0: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. I personally have been through a lot of trying times in my life. Trauma, grief, for example. I think those are universal themes that people can really understand. I lost my fiancé, Andy, in 9-11, and the pain was unbearable. Since then, I've gone through other traumas that didn't feel as big, But I still needed to talk to somebody and having somebody I didn't know that well, but was really good at listening, felt like the right thing to do. And it was so helpful to me. I love that I can have someone to talk to that isn't one of my close friends that I can just confide in and feel like it's between us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. I signed up for this just the other day. I've already been matched to the most perfect therapist for me. I'm excited because I've already touched base with them and I have my first appointment in a couple days. So I will let you guys know how that goes, but I'm super excited to try this service. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash understood today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com slash understood. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp. dot com slash understood and get on your way to being your best self. Yeah, gaslighting can be really debilitating because you don't know what's up and what's down, and then there they've completely become in control of you almost. And, um, and your self-esteem and they're holding the money sometimes. They're the one in charge. And yeah. um, they, you know, they can really push you down to the point where you don't even know who you are anymore.
1: Yeah. And you don't know what's real. Yeah. And you're completely like dependent on them. Right. You know, a lot of times there were so many questions I would get asked and I would be like, I don't know.
0: Right. I don't know. And, and you answer that a lot in the docuseries, you would say, I don't know, or you weren't right, sure. That's like, right. As a viewer, I think that was really hard to watch because you're just like, you want to sort of scream at you and be like, Sarma, come on, like, you know better than this, or this is crazy. But, you know, people need to understand that in that situation, you know, people do things for a certain reason. And I think it's important to realize that before meeting him, your life was this restaurant. And there are people that question whether or not, you know, you sort of became a con artist through this or if you just really met a, met a bad guy who turned your whole life upside down and you lost your way, you know. And I think that's I lost that's my way. I lost question. my company. He conned my mother. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, burned every bridge,
1: left me owing millions of dollars to all these people, which all is... All said and done. How much was it? Humiliating. Well, I did... This was another – so at the – towards the end of the, the film, they actually um, – I think there's a part where I'm talking about how a friend of mine was like, how much do you owe? And I never wanted to like total it up mm-hmm. because it was like, it's just so much money. I do not want to think about it. Yeah. And I totaled up kind of like everything all in and got to six million. Yeah. And and I laughed when I s- said that total to my friend because it was just so like, oh my God. Right. Oh my God. And just because it was so overwhelming. Mm-hmm but it's so easy for people to think that like, oh, she's laughing. No, it's just beyond overwhelming. And, um, and what, what really was intentional and frustrating in, um, in Bad Vegan, aside from fucking title Bad Vegan itself and the way it was marketed and all of that, um, (laughs) was that I had been sort of, told given the impression had the understanding that at the end of the film they were going to say because it's very like in a regular documentary right it's like journalism it's supposed to be like journalism right it's Mm -hmm. telling it's like telling a news story based on facts right and so in journalism like if the New York Times does a profile on you, they're not paying you, right? Because yeah. that would screw up the ethics. Mm-hmm. So, a documentary is supposed to be like that, mm-hmm. right? But in this case, you know, when I originally agreed to do it, I said like, well, one way or another, I want to get my staff paid mm-hmm. because of all that money that I owed, the amount that the staff, the the employees were owed was by far the smallest, like a small percentage of the total, But it weighed the heaviest and it was the most meaningful to me because a lot of the people that are owed money, like, have a shitload of money. So, yes, it feels horrible, but, like, they're not stressing as much as, you know, maybe one of the, you know, dishwashers who's still owed whatever, $1,000 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. So, all of that money that was owed to the employees, like, I just wanted to get that paid. I wanted to get that paid. I wanted to get that paid. And so, I – you know, so when I agreed to participate, I was like, that's that's what I want. Um, and so I was paid an amount that was pretty much equal to what the employees were owed. Mm-hmm. Didn't even go into my bank account, went into a lawyer's bank account. From the lawyer's bank account, went into the, um, the you know, the person representing the employees who could then distribute it, right? So the so, employees
0: were paid back.
1: So they were paid in 2020. And it was the very day in March when... Um, Cuomo announced that restaurants were shutting down because of COVID. Oh, my God. And I felt like uh, – like, I just felt like – I'm glad it didn't take longer because I felt like a lot of them are probably still working in restaurants mm-hmm. and now suddenly they might be out of a job. Yeah. So, for them to be able to at least get word, like, the money's – this, by the way, this money that you thought you might never get back is here. Mm-hmm. So, you might be out of a job, but at least here's this money back at a time when you might need it. Mm-hmm. So, that felt good. Um but they were supposed to put at the end of the uh, the end of the show, like in a sort of full disclosure way. You know, the employees were all paid back, um, and that I wasn't compensated anything more than that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, had they included that, it would have been like, oh, you know, she made sure the employees got paid; she didn't get paid beyond that mm-hmm. because one of the things like thrown at me over and over again is you know you should pay your employees and like you got rich off this and people just getting the impression that a lot of people thought that like you know you're in this thing on netflix you must be like rolling in money now and it's like no i'm still like freaking out and trying to figure out, like, what I can do or sell or what, you know, it's just...
0: And to be clear, you ended up having, you got arrested, you had to go to Rikers, and you still have to pay restitution to this day, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean
1: the majority of that money I still owe because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like I could just go wait tables and I'm going to make a dent in $6 million or, right. you know, even if it's $4 million, even if it's $3 million, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not, how am I going to make a dent in that unless I, you know, kind of, think of some things I could do that make might a difference, yeah. grow into something big and have a lot of enough value. Mm-hmm. So that's been really challenging is to try to work on those things and kind of like get by at the same
0: time. And and work on getting your credibility back, which is always hard when your story has been narrated for you in a way yeah, that's taken your credibility.
1: Exactly. And I thought like I I didn't expect that. I thought on the other side of this film – First of all, they also interviewed – they spent a whole day interviewing the psychologist who's like the authority on what's called coercive control. Mm -hmm. So he works exclusively with people and on cases where um, people – generally women, it happens more often to women – are like severely psychologically abused, manipulated, and very often end up in the criminal justice system. And the criminal justice system doesn't kind of really understand that. Yeah. So – You know, and I I think I was told that he'd said, like, if I'd had anything to do with her case, you know, she never would have gone to jail. Mm. Um, And part of the reason why I continue to want to speak out about it is because I hear from other people who, um, you know, what so many women say, like I hear this all the time, still almost daily, is people who say, I understand, I went through something similar. Mm -hmm. If you haven't been through it, there's no way to understand it you can't explain it. yeah, And it's so isolating, right? Because very often people end up, their families don't understand, they're mad.
0: I've had lots of
1: people mad at me because they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So that's part of why, you know, it's like, that's why I'm here now. Mm -hmm. This friend of mine was like, why are you doing a podcast? You don't have a book to sell. I'm like, because I feel like if it's going to help somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's going to help somebody recognize, like, you know, Oh, my sister's boyfriend is really kind of creepy. That guy, she, you know, like maybe something's going. On. If it's going to help somebody, yeah, I want to come out and talk about it. You know. As
0: so, much what as I would can. you say to women or men who are in circumstances where they feel like they've lost their way because they are with an individual or in a in a certain relationship that that person is just either gaslighting them or, you know, in. They are in a position where they don't feel like they can get out, and it is affecting their lives, their parenting, their jobs, whatever it is that they have lost some sort of control. What would you say to so, them? It's, it's
1: so tragic when people have kids, too. Mm-hmm. So tragic because very often what they do is, especially if they're older kids, like in Puppet Master, I think they will, like, you know, they'll pull mothers away from their kids, mm. which is horrible. I mean, just really awful stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's so hard for, you know, a a child, even an adult child to understand is that, like, somebody hijacked your mother's brain that was not her, you know. And so I've heard
0: really devastating stories like that. Um, And I've heard... But I think that's important what you just said and for people to hear. That's how you feel, right? You feel like your brain was hijacked. It wasn't you. And you were sort of made to do all these things that you normally wouldn't. Because of the situation you were in and what you were being told, and um, is am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. like you're. It's like you're in an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you're in a waking nightmare, and that's how I felt. I felt yeah. like every day I was waking up into this nightmare, and you know, it's like I didn't see any way out. Right, um, and I, you know, it's like I didn't know what to believe. I was always confused. I was always exhausted. That's they always keep you exhausted because mm-hmm. they have to keep you overwhelmed and exhausted. Because if you start to like. If you get away from them for long enough and you start to like – and you're well-rested and you start to like think rationally, well, then you're going to start to kind of maybe come to your senses. Yeah. But they don't let that happen. They keep you exhausted. Mm-hmm. They keep you overwhelmed. They yeah. keep you confused.
0: Um, And – Do you feel now that he's out of your life, now that you feel like this is – that part is over and now you're making amends, but do you feel more secure? Do you feel more confident? Do you feel better about the place you're in? Yeah. Are you more prepared in case someone else shows up in your life and does that again?
1: Yes. But what I've told some people is that, um, like, it's very common for something like this to happen more than once, mm-hmm. which just seems counterintuitive. But it's like, whatever about my personality, you know, and you could say, like, I'm gullible or naive, and but it's more complicated than that. But there probably is something about me where it's like, I... It's like I'm just not naturally skeptical. I just sort of assume that, like, people are good and mm-hmm. whatever the case is. Or maybe you're um, just hoping for and something. It has, and, again, it has nothing to do with intelligence mm. because I've had women, most of the people that reach out to me that have been through something like this, sometimes, you know, one woman's like, I have a Ph.D. in clinical psychology and I got to a place where I didn't know which way was up, mm-hmm. you know, and people who are, like, are tech entrepreneurs or, you know, they, their lives were destroyed. I mean, it's, it's it happens to intelligent, ambitious, you know, entrepreneurial women. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the more accomplished you are, the bigger the takedown. Because for them, I think it's very much like about power. It's not necessarily about money. Yeah. And so I also thought that I was sort of immune because a I'd been through it before. B when I out on the other side of this, like I had. Not only did I have no money, I had lost all my belongings. I had no stuff. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I was obviously in debt. So I thought, like, what could somebody get for me? And yet, somebody kind of stepped into my life and, like, did a bunch of damage again. And I feel like, holy shit! Wow. <laughs> and so I tell people who are recently on the other side of it to be really careful because mm-hmm. it's like you're more you're more vulnerable, not yeah. less. You're more vulnerable. Um, until you kind of really process it. And I definitely feel like having been through it kind of three times, Mr. Fox was like the big explosive one. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I get it. Eyes wide open. I almost feel like kind of a, like an expert on it now. And, um, so, but I tell people all the time, like to be really, really careful. And it's, what's hard is, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who, um, are you know like I've engaged people reach out to me on like direct message right and I've heard from people who you know this guy whose mother is in a bad situation and he sort of the more he told me about it I'm like you know okay well she's saying she's not going to go back to him but she always does yeah she is and if she says she's giving him some money it's probably worse than you know mm. and she probably feels a huge amount of shame about it and she doesn't yeah. want to admit it and like uh another woman told me about she's young, her sister, and the more she told me about this relationship her sister was in, the more I was like, my alarms are just screaming. Mm -hmm. And she was worried that her sister, um, that the guy was going to take her sister out of the country. And um, my advice, which I was like, I know this sounds extreme, and like, I'm no authority, like, formally, but I would go, you know, I would go steal your passport. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know that sounds extreme, But, like, in these situations, the way people get out of cults, the way people get out of these situations Mm -hmm. is some horrible, extreme thing. You know, I know a guy who now is a psychologist who deals with this type of thing, but the only – he got out of the – occult because he got in a – he almost died in a car accident, and then he kind of got removed. And in my case, I was arrested, thankfully. Like, I'm so glad that that happened because if I hadn't been arrested – would I have just been gone for years? I mean that that that's happened to other people. They're just gone for years, so that really opened your eyes so I mean getting arrested physically pulled me out of the mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. you know
0: and and knocked some sense into you, probably
1: well, then I was away from him, and then all of a sudden, like
0: you, you know could see,
1: I was starting reality. to kind of come to terms with like what was happening, but mm-hmm. it was still I was still like in a very like stunned state for a long time, but um you know a woman who reached out to me recently who is going to federal prison now in this Mm -hmm. like heartbreaking situation just like mine i don't know the specifics about like precisely what happened Mm -hmm. but like you know she's being punished now after like having gone through hell Mm -hmm. and because the justice system doesn't quite understand it and they think you know like you kind of naively think that like well how could i have intended to destroy my own life when i didn't even benefit from it it's not like i i wasn't arrested getting on a plane to mexico with a bag of cash Mm -hmm. like i was in a hotel room with this separate rooms with this guy that i clearly like was afraid of and for what like why would i have destroyed what i had which had so much potential Mm -hmm. and even you know in the early times when i met him we were making all this we were doing really well Mm -hmm. and that's when i like went to Jeffrey Chattero and gave him a check for a hundred grand. I was like really happy to start, you know, to to, to be paying him back because so he'd given me all this leniency when times were hard. He wasn't holding me to our agreement that like I have to pay him this amount every month. Yeah, he knew I intended to pay him back. He knew I was working really hard to make everything work. And so when things were were turning around and and we were doing really well, like 2011, 2012. And I was able – I was, like, so happy to be able to go give him these, like, sizable checks towards that debt um, that, you know, I really – if 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 Mr. Fox – you know, it's like I just want to call, call him terrible names. Mm-hmm. But when, when he – it's like if he hadn't been in my life, yes, I was overwhelmed, but I could have – like, people were coming – like, big companies and people were coming to me, like, saying, oh, I want to invest. Like, famous people were like, I want to – open a restaurant here. I want to invest. I want to invest. But things were just complicated. And it was really hard to get it together. And I was just busy. But I could have then because we were making money, I could have like, I could have made it all work. I could have sorted it out. It's not not like I was so desperate because, you know, the business was failing. It wasn't. It was actually doing really well. It's just that he was then siphoning all the money out, which is just so gross. It's just so
0: gross. So, okay, just a couple questions to clarify a few things for people. When you guys were finally caught, it was due to Mr. Fox ordering a Domino's pizza, correct?
1: Yes, which I didn't even know about. Okay.
0: so Were you um, eating the pizza? A
1: lot of people want to know. <laughs> I know. No, and like not only am I saying that, but mm-hmm. the officers are like quoted in articles confirming that. And I think they also confirmed it in, um, yeah. in Bad Vegan. They were so nice. Like love those guys yeah. because you know how some – People in law enforcement probably have, like, seen a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they sort of intuitively know, like – so they, when they came into that situation, um, I guess they had arrested him first. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know about it because I was in a different room. By that time, I had Leon with us. So mm-hmm. I was in my room with Leon. And um, um, when they came in, I was just, like, really stunned and just out of it and then i was immediately like what's gonna happen to my dog what's gonna happen to my dog and um they were like well ma'am he's gonna go to a local shelter and i was like he can't be put in i was like please don't take him to shelter oh my god that i was completely like upset and i was like please don't put him in the shelter like i he can't go to the shelter and i was so upset and he leon's such a good dog he like loves people and he Mm -hmm. loves like dudes so I'm sitting here getting arrested, and Leon's, like, jumping around, like, as if these guys came in there to, like, play, play. with him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's kind of like a dude's dog. He's, like, sort of a pit bull mix. And mm-hmm. so they – and they're, like, fortunately dog people. And so they kind of very quickly were like, oh, Kevin will take him home. You know, they're like, oh, don't worry. Well – and it was a woman at the hotel who ended up taking him home because they all – the people at the hotel,
0: like, they loved Leon. Yeah. Um and ultimately your dad came and picked him up. And then and my dad drove all the way
1: mm-hmm. to, to Tennessee. Come you to Tennessee, Tennessee. Um and, and picked up Leon for mm-hmm. me. So you know what else I don't think was in Bad Vegan is um remember the homeless, my friend Anthony yes. is also unfortunately <laughs> with the name Anthony, but mm-hmm. um he had, you know, read in the paper that I was arrested. Mm-hmm. I think he found out Leon was there. He Had a car at the time. Sometimes he has a car. Sometimes he doesn't. He had – I think he was living in his cars at Mm -hmm. the time. He had like started driving to Tennessee to get Leon.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And
1: then somehow was like – I don't know how he reached my dad. But somehow he spoke to my dad and my dad was like, no, I'm going to get Leon. And so – So he turned around. He didn't. But that was just so – Do you still talk to that homeless man? Yeah. Yeah. Is he still homeless? Uh, Not at the moment. Oh, good. No. I love hearing that. Yeah. He's always – you know, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he is. Yeah. He's always doing different things, but But he's okay. But and he's still in your life. Yeah, he's okay. He's he's not in New York right now. Okay. But you know, we're we're in touch. Good. Um, um yeah. and you still have Leon. How is Leon? Leon is um he's doing great. Mm-hmm. He did like have some alarming issues. He was hospitalized a couple of weeks ago, which is how was old is he now? Devastating. He's um just over thirteen. Oh so. wow. If I assume he was born on the, in March. Yeah which was kind of an estimate but he was young enough when I adopted him that it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, he's over 13 years old. And um but I mean he's in great shape cuz mm-hmm. I take really good care of him and um people always think that he's younger than he is. Mm-hmm. But he did have some issues and was hospitalized a couple of times yeah. last a couple of weeks ago which was
0: really really rough, scary. Yeah, but he's okay now. Yeah, he's doing all right. Good. Um and have you made any connections with the people that used to work for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, we were sort of – a lot of us were connected kind of very quickly mm-hmm. once I was out of um, jail because I'd been arrested. And then I, um, it took a little while because my – you know, it's not like my parents are flush with money. Mm-hmm. So they had to kind of jump through all these hoops to get my very bail. large bail mm-hmm. sorted. So um, once I got out – Um you know, over time. Also, it was kind of... So then I had to almost like hack back into my own... Not hack, but I had to go through hoops with Gmail to Mm -hmm. get back into my own email because Mr. Box had been in it the whole time. So I hadn't... The entire time I was gone, like my phone number was gone, but also wasn't in my email at all. Mm -hmm. So when I finally got back into my email, there were a lot of messages from people like, what's going on? You know, where are you? Are you okay? Um, and I remember, like, searching for, you know, emails with Shane Fox, because he mm-hmm. used that name for his email, even when I knew his name was something else, um, and seeing that all those emails were gone, mm-hmm. which was like, oh, and he left one email for me that was so gross. And then, um, you know, like, he knew
0: what he was doing all yeah, along. Yeah, like, he knew that people would end up looking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, um... Uh, to make then, it seem like you were... In on it, or you were exactly. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, I tried to help you. And, yeah. Right. Um, now, another question people would want to know is, are you in touch with Mr. Fox, or when was the last time you spoke to him?
1: Um, it it was like one of those recorded phone calls mm-hmm. back when bad. You know, I stayed in touch with him to like to get those phone calls recorded and whatnot, and then, um, and then I think I had one call after that with him where. Um, I sort of like, you know, well, one thing I want to just go back to is when I when I was got into my email, and then um, you know, I sort of saw a lot of the emails that had come in, and then I look, I went into my sent email folder, and like wanted to die when I started he looking had, at what he was had there. Sent emails from you. He had been writing to people as me, mm-hmm. and like wanted to die, right? Because he was writing to Jeffrey. He was writing to Alec Baldwin. He was writing to, you know, a lot of the people that have reached out to me. Are you okay? Where are you? And he would write back to them and be like, um, yeah, but I really need some money. And it was just like, oh my. And then a lot of times they would be like, well, where are you? Can I call you? Mm -hmm. Well, I really need to talk to you. And then like that conversation would end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, and then also in the back and forth with Jeffrey, Jeffrey keeps saying where, and heartbreaking because Jeffrey was like clearly trying to help, like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Where are you? And and Jeffrey would say, like, well, why can't you call me? And then he would write back as me, like, oh, my phone ran out, like, really terrible, like, just yeah. excuses or, like, how can you not get to a
0: phone yeah, sure. <laughs> somewhere? So, Have you had the chance to call Alec or text him or call Jeffrey and make, you know, make them understand it wasn't you?
1: I I have spoken to them, and I I think in some of those cases, it just took a long time because I knew how bonkers it was Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like me saying, that wasn't me, sounds kind of like they don't even understand what happened, and it was just so bonkers. And it's hard to say that. It's
0: it's almost embarrassing. So many
1: people that, like, didn't know what happened were really confused, but... Um, you know, a lot of the former staff, like, they knew something terrible happened because mm-hmm. they knew me for 10 years in some cases. yeah, And they had seen me, like, you know, all the stuff I went through when, when things were hard with the restaurant and all the stuff we all went through together, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it'd be like a crisis at the restaurant and everybody would pull through. And... So it's like, it just didn't make any sense. So even if they didn't understand what happened, they knew like something terrible happened. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't really wrap their brain around it. So um, the only ones I think who I might have, you know, on social media had said bad things were like people who hadn't worked there very long. Yeah. Right. So they didn't really know me. Sure. But um, all of the ones from way back, I mean, you know, I I, I was living in Harlem and um Just walking down the street one day, I ran into this guy who um, had been like a busser and then a bartender, and he'd worked there for years. And it's like, if you look up those old pictures of those, like, when they were all outside, Mm -hmm. he's one of those people, like, holding a sign. Picketing and and saying he was owed money. Yeah, And and this was, like, when I was out on bail, um, and I just ran into him on the street. And, like, we just immediately hugged and cried (laughs) you know it just they know yeah you know and so
0: um yeah so i I have been in touch with a lot of them do you have any plans to try and reopen a new restaurant now that you're you're back you're living back in new york with leon
1: yeah i was i did leave the city for a while Mm -hmm. um to try to finish writing my book Mm -hmm. and it just felt seemed to make sense to kind of get away i had a bunch of reasons why i kind of had to leave but Mm -hmm. Um um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really talk about what I'm working on because nothing's sort of mm-hmm. yeah, I can't really talk about it yet, but I'm just in this funny sort of like a bunch of different things that I'm sort of working on that um you know could repair the damage, which mm-hmm. um you know, which I take on as my responsibility because yeah. I don't want to walk around. Like these, I don't care how much money people had, or I just want that money repaid. Right, right. right? So again, like I couldn't just kind of, you know, people sometimes are like, oh, why don't you open a food truck or why don't you do like catering? And I'm like, that's not gonna, I'm not gonna earn six million dollars. Right, <laughs>
0: right. No, I get you it.
1: know, so I just kind of have to do these various projects, which mm-hmm. you know could
0: grow into something to. Yeah. um you know, return the money. So more. You're, you're concerned more about returning the money. But because you are such a figure in the restaurant business and in the vegan restaurant business, I think a lot of people would wonder if you would ever get back into that. Yeah. You would. In the right circumstances. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but um... – And just out of curiosity, are you – how do you eat now? What, what is your diet? Are you a vegan? Do you eat raw? Do you eat meat? <laughs> um, it's funny because I've been
1: thinking about like the, the whole vegan label was sort of always kind of, for the most part, put on me mm-hmm. because even when early on, I was very like raw vegan, I was never like hyper strict. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause for me, it was more about, um, obviously it was about like health and eating mm-hmm. well. It was about not, you know, wanting to contribute to, like, the animal cruelty of, like, factory farming. Mm -hmm. It was about, um, you know, it's also, like, factory farming is just environmentally destructive, all these reasons. Um, But, you know, also, like, I love restaurants and food. And so, you know, sometimes, like, I would taste something. So I wasn't very strict about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And in particular, like, if something's going to be wasted, you know, like – Like, if somebody – like, you don't throw away, like, chicken or something. It's just tragic to me. So, either way, it's just I don't have any, like, hard, strict rules about it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like – you know, and there's also a lot of, like – I actually don't have an issue with, like, hunting if you kind of go out into the woods and, you know, if you were to, like, shoot a a deer, Mm -hmm. drag it home. Eat the whole thing or whatever that's kind of in the like animals kill other animals you know you watch those yeah. nature specials mm-hmm. it's like heartbreaking when you know the gazelle gets eaten yeah, by the tiger you're like, oh my god, but it happens mm-hmm. and like that animal lived free until that very moment, mm-hmm. right So that's kind of nature. Like I don't philosophically have a problem with that or ethically have a problem with that. Obviously hunting if you're doing it like some people do, where they go trophy hunting wild animals and they think they're big and tough. That's and they, they pose with the animal, mm-hmm. like that's just grotesque and yeah. horrible. But um um and so I always felt like my lane was you know, what we did was in a very like the opposite, it was not preachy. So if you walked when you walked into Pure Food and Wine, you would have no idea that it was a vegan restaurant. You know? Yeah. It it just didn't have that vibe. There wasn't like I don't know what would be a typical vegan restaurant. But if you walked in, there's like no clues that it's a vegan restaurant. So actually, hilariously, sometimes people did walk in off the street like, oh, look at this beautiful space. Right, And, and like, let me get a
0: burger. Or whatever. <laughs> but they just thought, you know, and they would
1: sort of, they'd figure it out. Yeah. But um, I always felt like my lane was to kind of represent like a shift, right? So it's not about the label especially nowadays it's like everybody's so polarized mm-hmm. like are you on team this or team that are yeah. you red or are you blue are you this you that like why does it have to be one or the other mm-hmm. and so I kind of feel that way a little bit about the vegan label like and it also puts people off very often you know yeah. they think like cause sometimes you hear people oh I tried going vegan but I couldn't so like fuck it now I'm eating everything again right like, well, like if everybody just shifted to eating way less meat. And if everybody shifted away from factory farming and, you know, if we could shift away from it, that would make a huge, meaningful impact in the mm-hmm. world as opposed to kind of trying to like, you know, browbeat everybody into like, you must go vegan and like shaming everybody into it. Like that's not, you know, there is a, there is a place for those sort of hardcore protests, you know. And I, I understand that like sometimes I've, you know, i could get sort of outraged and want to like cover myself in blood and lay mm-hmm. on styrofoam like i'm a you know i know those protests that are i i understand that mm-hmm. but that's not that's kind of not my lane yeah and, and i'm not that strict and like leon's not vegan um you know he gets eggs from the green market sometimes i eat some eggs like i just am not that i'm not that strict about it mm-hmm. and um um and also, like I just think everybody's different, so from a nutrition standpoint, some people do great being vegan their whole lives, yeah, some people don't, some right. people need to adjust, some people need to work on different supplements, some people need to you know me yeah it's just everybody's different, and I think it um it really depends, so I'm not super strict myself, okay, but I do very much you know very much stand by like eating unprocessed foods, way more plant foods. You know, if you can eat almost all plant foods, that's great. If you want to still eat some other stuff, ideally, it's like, you know, something from a small farm. Yeah. But, you know, the whole system is messed up. It's like subsidies screw everything up. Because yeah. why is, you know, tragically, like our food was super expensive, which I don't like that. It mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. But it sucks that a lemon and an avocado are like more than, that cost more than, you know, a Big Mac or... Right all this kind of crappy food. Why is that? It's like subsidies. Why is that? Because mm-hmm. those industries have a lot of money and power. Why is that? Because there's money in politics. If we could just unwind Citizens United yeah. <laughs> and kind of pull money out of politics, yeah, you could start to fix a lot of problems. But now we're getting really like macro. Right,
0: right, right. So my last question for you is what do you think is most misunderstood about you? Or another way to to word it is what do you want people to really know about you? What do you want your... Sort of legacy going forward to be obviously what you went through was something that happened it doesn't define you um, you know I saw um, a text that or a you know something that somebody had written to you um in your um, on your website in response to your letter that you wrote, which I thought was great, and I sent to you about you know you are so much more than what happened to you essentially, and I think that that's so true so what would you say is something you want people to know about you or clarify, you know, in this last minute?
1: Um, Well, it's like, I think more about what I would want people to know that's useful for them as -hmm. opposed to like, "Ah, people can think what they want about me. Like, yeah, it sucks if they think terrible things. And it sucks, you know, like all these things about bad vegan were upsetting more. Yes, it's upsetting for people to call me names and not understand who I am and and all of that. And also because it impacts what I can do going forward. If people like, you know, like a agent or a publisher, like, it's like, I don't know, she might be cuckoo <laughs> given what happened, you know? So I'm more concerned with like, wanting people to understand that even if it's really hard to understand what happened, that like, this is a thing that happens and happens to, you know, intelligent people, happens way more than people think, because You know, I don't know the total, but just so many, mostly women, sometimes men, have written to me and have been through eerily similar mind-bending experiences. They're just not so public.
0: Mm -hmm. And when you say this, just to clarify, you mean people who are psychologically abused?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And abused in other ways, too, which was Mm -hmm. another thing they left out of Bad Vegan was, like, there was all this, like, really gnarly sexual abuse which i was asked about and um you know i was told by somebody who was there that like oh, it's really you know because i was like oh that's i was probably like ugly crying and um it was really like hard to talk about and somebody said who was there said like you know that was so compelling you know and all along i was like i don't care if i'm embarrassed or from ugly crime, I, I just want it to be useful. Yeah. So I felt like the biggest place where where that series failed was allowing people to be confused, allowing people to come away and not understand how it happens, mm-hmm. and that this is not like I'm a cuckoo person or possibly a criminal, and like isn't this crazy and bonkers? But like, no, no, this is a thing that happens a lot. Yeah. And like, maybe pay attention to, you know, your sister, your mom, your friend anybody yeah because what happens on the other side of it is now it's like you almost have like a radar spidey sense for it so Mm -hmm. you know it's like i'll see people sometimes and i'm like you get a vibe um or um and also just you know if nothing else it makes i've heard so many so many like so many women say to me that like they feel less alone they feel less stupid
0: You know, because again, people think they just whatever. They think it's only happening to me and it's too embarrassing to talk about. Well when they hear you talk, they'll know And the people in their small orbit,
1: because it's not like this big public story. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they've been punished for it, like this woman I know who's waiting to go to federal Mm -hmm. prison, which is heartbreaking. I wanna try to help get her out early or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like everybody's blaming you or they don't understand, and it's just such an icky feeling and she said to me what everybody says which is like it's it feels impossible to explain and i can't even think about it very long because it's like it's just i cuz you it's even hard for when it happens to you it's like not only can other people not understand you kind of can't understand yeah which is like if your brain is kind of hijacked and manipulated like by definition you wouldn't understand how that happened yeah until like i understand much better now because i've just spent these like years reading
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know watching other stories hearing other stories investigating cult psychology mm-hmm. you know becoming friendly with people who've been in cults understanding how they were manipulated because it's very similar Mm -hmm. and it's to the point where you feel like you know are these people all like using the same how-to manual because Mm -hmm. the tactics are like eerily similar similar. um and and these personalities are eerily similar so mr fox keith rain of Mm nexium larry ray from the sarah lawrence story you know even the people like um you know, like Jeffrey Epstein, I kind of got very interested reading, you know, listening to all of that stuff. And yeah. he's got all those characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear the same things about them. Like, you know, the people, like, how come this person gave him so much money? And they'll say, like, well, it was like he was under a spell. Mm-hmm. You always hear that. It's like she's under a spell. Um, that's very common. Because I think that's actually part of it. I think part of the reason why I don't remember our conversations when we were together is People said that about that guy, Keith Raynery. They'd be like, well, I talked to him for two hours and I don't remember. Yeah. Because there are ways to like, you know, do things that are, um, you know, it's like something called neuro-linguistic programming. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to manipulate people.
0: And also, I think it's really hard for people that have been in cults or in situations like yours Um, because you don't have physical signs to sort of give people, you know, to say, see, look, I have a bruise here. Look, he stabbed me. Or, you know, it's very – it's invisible, right? And it's just how you feel. And so the fear is people won't believe you. People won't understand you. Um, You know, I went to a a therapeutic boarding school that was um, based on the Sinanon cult, and it was a very similar thing. And at some point, you know – after my father died there, I just resigned to be like, well, I've got to get through this, so I better go along with it. Right. You it. just and kind I, of give in. It's yeah. like you give up. You're and you like- almost – it's not like I liked it, but it's like once you give in to it, it's easier to get through. And you know there's no way out kind of, so you just go along with it. And it didn't occur to me and I didn't find out for, you know, almost 15 years that it was a cult, you know. And yeah. it was – And then it all made sense, but it takes time and it's really scary when you're in it because you can't scream for help because people are like, this is like crying wolf. What's wrong with you? Everything seems fine. He seems so great. We really liked him. He's so personal. Maybe it's you, you know? Right. And then also like – and again, like hearing you talk about that in that episode, which was
1: heartbreaking, you know, I knew that you would at least – you would understand at least like – the kind of mind manipulation part. Of course. And when people don't believe you and they don't understand what's going on. Um, and and part of what they do is like you feel like you're going – you you kind of feel like you've gone crazy in a way. Yeah. You know, it's like your your mind is kind of broken in yeah. a way. And you
0: have no center. You don't know you, – you can't even like stand up for yourself because you don't even know what you're standing up for almost, you know. Yeah. And and also, it's like you
1: don't see a way out. Yeah. It's like you're trapped. Mm-hmm. And you're trapped in a way that other people can't see. Yeah. Because, again, why didn't you call the police, right. you know? And anybody that's been in one of these situations, they would never ask that question. Right. Because they know you're mm-hmm. trapped.
0: Mm-hmm. You're trapped. Right. And... Um, um, I feel like there was something else you asked me that I didn't
1: answer. But no, you did. Remember. You did.
0: I asked you a two-part question, but it was the same question. So um, people that are listening, if they want to reach out to you, do you um, read your DMs? Where could they find you that's a place that they could reach out to you? Um, mostly on Instagram. Yeah.
1: So like I have Facebook, but I never look at it. And mm-hmm. I'm like weirdly half locked. I just don't have time. I'm like I'm not <sighs> – it's like people assume that like oh you're on you know you have a bunch of followers you must be like rolling in money or I should be as if I should be able to like monetize it somehow mm-hmm. and I'm just like I'm not really good at social media I'm not good at making reels and doing all this stuff and kind of you know so basically I have Facebook mm-hmm. but I don't really look at it okay and I'm actually kind of halfway locked out of it like <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter also just because I've been on Twitter for a really long time um, but uh instagram is is where i kind of have the most interaction and okay. early on i did not i couldn't read my dms because it was just like you mm-hmm. know just a fire hose yeah and to the extent that people wrote really nice messages i feel bad that i didn't see them yeah but what happens sometimes is now that it's like slowed down to at least like i i do at least read them all mm-hmm. um but Oh, you know, and I try to reply to everybody that kind of says something nice, mm-hmm. um, or if I feel like it can be useful. There's a lot of just like dudes that are like, "Hey, yeah. what's up? What are you doing?" And I'm like, I, "If I, I, sorry, I don't have time. Right? Like, you might be nice, but like I can't.
0: Yeah. And right. no, I'm
1: not going on
0: a date." right <laughs> like let me just, pay your bills i'm sure no. you're getting a lot of that um so yeah. all right so people can reach you on your instagram what's your instagram handle my instagram
1: handle is my full name which okay. is very hard to spell but there's only one of me okay so it's like <laughs> typing my, in my sarma, twitter yeah, my twitter yeah. is my first name okay. at sarma my instagram is at sarma melangelis with my last name but okay. it's um um and leon has his instagram too he's oh, one right. lucky rescue dog right um
0: Where you can catch up on everything going on in Leon's life. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, at some
1: point, I will finish my very long book draft. And I hope that, um, you know, I hope that it'll lead to helping people understand that that this is something that happens. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, it's like, if you think that somebody you know might be in a situation like this, like, and, and also, if that person's pushing you away, it's like, don't let them push you away mm-hmm. and and kind of if you have a suspicion, just keep keep checking and keep Don't pushing because, them because um you know it's like I like that that woman where I said like this might sound cuckoo, but I think you should if I were you, I would steal your sister's passport mm-hmm. because she might be furious, that might maybe that's you know however extreme and cuckoo that sounds like that's better than your sister getting taken away. Right. And it then might save her life. She doesn't... Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't get out of it. And then she's dead. Because, again, that also, you know, happens happen, a lot yeah. in a lot of cases where women get taken away and then it's like, you know, yeah, they wind you up never dead. never see them again. Or, yeah. like, arrested or you know, in a horrible accident or yeah. something because very often it takes some something really, really
0: extreme to pull people out. Right. So I think people will be very excited once your book is finally done and comes out. And um I'd love to have you back on when your book is out and we'll talk about that. But thank you so much for joining me and I yeah. look forward to hearing what happens in your future.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really I knew that um having been through what you've been through that you would understand and
0: um I just
1: felt like, again, if I reach some listeners that it helps, then, you know, it's worth it. It feels
0: good. Absolutely. It is worth it. Thank you. Thank you.